0: Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is helpful for me to know oftentimes where we're going because then I get to decide if I want to go there, right? So uh, today is an invitation for all of us and Spy I want you to know where it is. So at the end of today, we're going to end in a time of confession and repentance, forgiveness. It's going to be in our worship portion. So we're going to end there together and we're doing that together because that's where our text takes us. We're asked to do something together. It's an early church practice. But then my second ask of you is what we'll do when we leave. So could you actually pull up that, I think slide number one. Uh, slide, slide two. Yep, nope, one. Other one. Sorry, sorry Jim. Yeah, that one. Um, so what I want you to do this week, what I want us to do, is to recognize a time when we were proud. And in our pride, selfishly chose to hurt someone. I want you to recognize it. I want you to name it. I want you to ask for forgiveness. When was you have to raise your hands? When was the last time you asked for forgiveness? You know, we have I have some young leaders who are going to help me later today, and we're talking about this. And we oftentimes say sorry to people, but later, after I say sorry, I complain about that person to someone else, leading us to believe that we probably never actually forgave them in the first place. So we had a men's event this week down the hall. It was called Show Me the Father. And uh, it concluded, that we're going to do it again. So we've all, we all have fathers. And what we found is that our relationship with our earthly fathers is impacting our relationship with our heavenly father. So we're going to show that video again, that movie again, and you'll be invited. But it concludes around uh, blessing. And how, f- how few of us actually re- have received words of blessing from our earthly parents. And words of blessing and words of life words that see what is good in you and pull it out of you words that say this is who I think you could become this is what I see in you this is how I feel about you very few people I sat in a room full of men who were many of us were in tears who have not received words of blessing which got me thinking if I don't hear words of blessing how often have had modeled to me words of forgiveness seems to be a pretty central idea in this when was the last time you asked for forgiveness So that's the challenge this week. So the first slide, real quickly, the sentence for today, I think it's number one, that the heart of the problem, I think James is saying, is the problem of the heart. So my wife and I were trying to practice this very imperfectly at our house, trying to learn to to ourselves ask for forgiveness, but also show our children how to do that. And so great example, the other day, um, the girls were doing something. I wanted them to do something else, and they weren't listening to me. And I asked, and I asked, and I asked, and I got, I got kind of frustrated, and all of a sudden I said, girls, listen to me! And what happened when, that, when I did that? Girls were just scared. I scared my children. And what was I teaching them when I did that? When I raised my voice! When they're frustrated, or when they're not getting their way, what are they going to do? Raise their voice. So, because we've been thinking about this, caught myself, and I sat down so I could be eye to eye. And I said, girls, Dave was frustrated. You weren't listening to me, but I should not have raised my voice. I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And the funny thing about forgiveness is, well, it's great with little kids because they not only forgive you, but they give you hugs afterwards and it's the best. <laughs> but what happened though was they then recognized daddy. We didn't listen, we're sorry. Would you forgive us? Forgiveness is contagious. It changes things. It changes the room, it changes the atmosphere. So this week, I want us to change the atmosphere around us by asking for forgiveness and then paying attention to what happens. So that's where we're going. Together here, and then we're all gonna do it out there. I'm talking again next week, so if you come back, I'll know you had a good time. If not, if you if you'd practice this, let me know about it. I want to share some stories of forgiveness. Is that okay? So that's where we're going. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read our passage here quickly to start, and then we're going to linger in a spot. And then uh, we're going to move through. So we're going to be in James chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be in verse 18 to start. I'm going to go back where Katie was last week. And then... Uh, We'll have a slide in the middle that kind of shows you where we're going to center. And one of the things that we've been asked to do, and uh, text groups, i asked this last week, to read the scripture aloud with expression. And I've been heard, heard from some of you, you've done this, and it's made it different. I would encourage this week, if you're doing devotions, if you're reading James, if you're in a text group, try reading out loud. It's different when you hear it than when you just read it, all right? So I'm going to try to read with some expression, okay? We're in chapter 3, verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Those are right relationships. So peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of right relationships. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot get what you want. You quarrel and you fight again. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So the desires and pleasures here, the original word is, I think, hedon, which is hedonism, which means it's a philosophy of life where you're trying to gratify your own pleasure at the expense of everything else. It's a way of living, I guess. You adulterous people, says James, don't you know? That friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think, Scripture say without reason, that the spirit he caused to live in us tends toward envy, but he gives us more grace? That's why scripture says God opposes the proud. The Father, Son, the Spirit oppose the proud. But Father, Son, and Spirit gives grace, shows favor. And we have a slide for this. This is where we're going to hang out today. To the humble. Read one more time. God... The Father, the Son, the Spirit oppose the proud. What does that mean? But the Father, Son, the Spirit gives grace, shows favor to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. Come near to God. You come near to God and then he will come near to you. So wash your hands. Purify your hearts. Grieve, mourn, and wail. This is really serious. Change your laughter to mourning and joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. People of God, this is the word of God. So one of the fun things for me about James is that if you read James, he's pulling from like scripture everywhere all the time. Like he has this so embedded in him, the Old Testament, right? And then the words of his brother, that he's just, it's just coming out of him, like all the time. I think it's so fun to follow the rabbit trails. So as I've been reading, I read this passage specifically, I kept thinking of a story Jesus told. And it's a story that you know, you've heard it. It's a story of the prodigal son. Talking about desires, you know, selfish desires, chasing pleasure. I thought of the prodigal son, which a couple things. One, the story is not really about the son, is it? It's about the father. So it's kind of weird we call it the prodigal son. And he has two sons. Anyways, I think about those kinds of things. Why is it called the prodigal son? I don't know. But if you've been in church or not, I bet you know the story. But I'm going to tell it but I want to pay special attention to the elder brother at the end with a reason. So if you don't know the story is about a dad who has two sons and the youngest son says, dad, I don't want to live with you anymore. I do not like you at all. I dislike you so much. I want to leave and I actually kind of want you to die so I can have my inheritance. I want it now. I also think he didn't like his older brother. Anyways, can you imagine that situation? Sometimes you read stuff and you don't really think about it. Can you imagine someone you've known your whole life who you've shared a relationship with, you shared the highs and the lows we were just talking about, and all of a sudden they say, I so dislike you, I want nothing to do with you. And then ask for stuff on top. What would your response be? I'd be mad, I'd be sad. I would say, no way, just go, be gone. What does the father do? Knowing where his son would go, he does it. He gives him half of his stuff. That's like, am I the only one who's just blown away by this story? It's crazy to me. So the son goes, he pursues the pleasures, he finds new people, a new family, right? He runs out of his stuff. The, the, the meaning he thought he would find, the purpose he thought he would find, it, it didn't, wasn't what he hoped it would be. He ran out of everything, and what do you do? He said, you know, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna say to my dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Can I just become part of your household again? right? Come near to God. And then what does he come near to you? So he starts to go home. And what does his dad do? His dad has been waiting and watching, waiting and watching. And when he sees him, I'm trying to imagine, he like flies off the stage and runs to his son, right? He looks really undignified. So I guess in that culture, if you're a patriarchal culture, you didn't run, you didn't jump. You know, I'm 38 now. My legs don't look quite the same as they used to, but he pulls up his robe so he can run. That's not what they do, but he so badly wanted to get to his son first that he ran before everyone else who would judge him could get there. So he welcomes him. He hugs him. He kisses him. Huge party. It's you're you're home. I don't care what you've done. You're home. You came home. You came near, and then I came to you. I've been waiting. So they're on this huge party, and there's this servant, right, who just uh, runs into the older son who's coming to see what's going on. And this servant's having a great day. Having a party, we killed the fattened calf. This is super exciting. Elder son, not so much. So he shares with him. The elder son is so angry, so resentful that he's not getting what he should get, what he thinks he should get. He will not go inside. He will not forgive his brother. And so it's striking to me, and why I think this matters, is that the older son has been with his dad the whole time. He's been near his dad. He has watched his dad love He's watched his dad forgive. He's watched his dad be generous. He's, he's watched his dad live, right? He is nothing like his dad. So James is writing to a church, people who are disciples of Jesus, right? And they're not acting like their dad. So he pulls a specific proverb. It's from Proverbs 3, Proverbs three thirty four. Now, if you live in their culture, you would know the whole third proverb, right? So when he pulls a verse from Proverbs 3, you would know the whole thing. What are Proverbs? It's a teacher talking to his students. It's a rabbi talking to his disciples. And the first two sets of Proverbs are around external things that could take you down the wrong path. What's the third proverb about? Proverbs 3.1. My son, my daughter... Don't forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. So the heart of the problem, he's saying, he's watching disciples. It's in here. And he calls them adulterous people. What that means is they have a divided loyalty. Their hearts are divided. They have not given their heart to Jesus, he's saying, that's, Jesus said, what would he say? Out of the overflow of the heart. What? We live, we speak, the things that are here, the things we put, are, are in here are put in here, have to come out. And James is talking to people, he's been calling them brothers and sisters the whole letter. Brothers and sisters this, brothers and sisters that, brothers and sisters, but when he gets to the heart, what lies in the heart, pride or humility, he says, you adulterous people, do you understand the severity of what you're allowing to have in your heart. It's the heart of the problem. It's the problem of the heart. And you know, I'm just gonna acknowledge, so in the fall, we're gonna hopefully study the Sermon on the Mount. Have you read the Sermon on the Mount? Have you read what Jesus, how He's asking us to live? It's hard. It is crazy. I mean, I pull on. One sec here. You're somewhere. I mean, listen to some of this stuff. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. It's about murder. Don't murder. But I tell you that who, anyone who is angry with his brother, who is angry with his brother, will be subject to judgment. You're in danger of the fires of hell. If you are angry. So, I mean, that's the bar for who we're going to become is like way up here. It's really challenging. It will require a whole heart, not a half a heart, not a quarter of a heart, three quarters. You're gonna need your whole heart if you're gonna live like Jesus. And guess what? If you do, man, you're gonna be the best. Who's not gonna to want to be with you? Love, forgiveness, grace, compassion. If there's a party. They're gonna ask, are they coming? If they're coming, I'm coming. That sounds great. It's two in the morning. I'm in a bad spot. I'm calling them. I know they'll answer my phone call. I'm gonna. I don't know what to do. I'll ask them. They'll have wisdom. They'll be wise. You become the kind of person people just want to be with, because why? You've got a heart like Jesus, and he was the best. So the heart of the passage is this idea, this proverb. God opposes the proud. Father, Son, and the Spirit oppose the proud. But they give grace to show favor to the humble. So I've said this here many times. I'm fascinated by humility. Pride versus humility, right? Pride is the root of all evil, my opinion. Humility is the root of all that is good. At the very beginning, what did Adam and Eve do? The devil said, I think God's holding out on you. I think there's a better way. You should, you should do your own thing. You should be like God. And they said, we should be like God. We should get to choose what we do. I was talking to somebody once, and they said, why do you Christians, and we don't like that word here anymore, we'll go with disciples. So why do you Christians always think that God's going to choose the worst thing? Like, why do you have to choose the hardest thing to do? Why can't you do what you want to do? At the time, I said, that's a good question. I'll think about it. But now I'm thinking about it, I think, that is a really proud question. Most of the things I've wanted to do in life have not been good ideas. The places where he has led me, that has been an awesome idea. But I probably wouldn't have picked it right away. But he leads you down these paths. What a proud question. Why does God make me do things I don't want to do? Because he knows what, who you are. Right? Psalm 139, he knits you together in your mother's womb. He knows you better than you know yourself. What a proud question. Wrestling with that. So I've been trying to think of a better analogy for humility. And I don't know if I have one or not, but I'm going to give it a shot. I used to play high school football. Thinking about so humility is not thinking what less of yourself, it's thinking less about yourself. So it's choosing the better of others over yourself. Not diminishing yourself, but just choosing them because you know who you are. I'm kind of a broken, selfish person who needed Jesus. He came and he saved me. He forgave me and I'm becoming like him, but I kind of know where I was. So I can just Tim Keller says he assumes people are just probably better than him which I think is kind of funny. But thinking of a good analogy for humility. So I used to play football. I loved playing football. Friday Night Lights over there were the best. I played in a lot of games, so that's about as good as it gets. And we would play a team, I was defensive end, who would run like an option or a veer. I had a responsibility, I had a quarterback, that's it. So I was usually unblocked, I'd come around the end, and the temptation would be, here's the quarterback, here goes the fullback, there goes the running back. The temptation is not to stick with your assignment. The temptation is to chase the fullback or to chase the running back. And if you do either, sometimes the quarterback is gone. So if I, as a defensive end, start choosing to not do my assignment, what happens? All those around me begin to not trust me. Seems like in this, talking about forgiveness, it's kind of a key assignment. We'd be people who could forgive because we're forgiven. So if I choose not to forgive someone, right, if I, if I speak words in anger and I'm not going to seek forgiveness, what happens? That person doesn't trust me anymore. Then what happens? See, fights and quarrels, uh, desiring things I don't need, slander, judging people. I mean, it seems to me at the root is having the humility to ask for forgiveness but it means you have to get rid of your pride because it's hard to say I was wrong, right? Am I the only one who has a hard doing that? Imagine in our world today, if we did more of not blaming, shift blaming, like shift blaming and just more saying, you know what? I had a hand in that and that was my fault. I'm sorry, would you forgive me? What would happen in that meeting or in that room or in that place? It'd be way different. So I have two questions for you. I was gonna have you talk about it, but I don't think I have enough time. But I want you to ask two questions. So God opposes the proud, shows favor to the humble. What do you think? What comes to mind when I say God opposes that? And then what comes to your mind when I say God shows favor? You got it in your mind? Oppose. Favor. All
1: right, watch the video. Thanks to help us out. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We are going to look at the second key word in this statement, gracious. The Hebrew word is chanun, which is related to the Hebrew noun chen. This word, chen, is often translated as grace or favor. And if you study how this word is used throughout the Bible, you find a fascinating story. One meaning of chen is delightful or favorable. In the Psalms, a skilled poet is said to have lips of chen that is, he can craft beautiful words that bring delight. Or a dazzling piece of jewelry is an ornament of chen, it attracts attention and favor. This is why chen is often the word used to describe a gift given with delight or favor. In these cases, chen could be translated as grace. Like in the story of Esther, who approaches the king of Persia to ask that she and her people be spared from death. She calls this a request for chen. And because the king delights in Esther, he favors her and grants her wish. So, giving a gift of favor is chen because it is motivated by delight. And the most extreme kind of chen is showing favor to someone who should get what they deserve, not a generous gift. Like Jacob, who cheated his brother Esau, ran away, and then after 20 years wants to come back and make things right. So he comes to Esau asking, may I find chen in your eyes? Jacob isn't asking for what is fair, but for favor. And surprisingly, that's what Esau gives him. He chooses to delight in his brother Jacob and show him grace that he doesn't deserve. Now, Chen requires a generous spirit, which people sometimes have. But in the Bible, the one who shows more Chen than anyone else is God. Like when God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they quickly betray him by giving their allegiance to a golden idol as their God. But then, Moses steps in and asks God to consider giving a gift that they do not deserve. And God says yes by showing the ultimate act of chen, forgiveness and a promise to be with these people. This character trait of God is so reliable that over 40 times in the book of Psalms people cry out for God's chen when they are sick or in danger or when the Israelites are in exile. And the biblical prophets like Isaiah looked back to God's chen in the past and boldly declared that God will one day show chen to his people by delivering them and all creation from death and ruin. Now, when we turn to the authors of the New Testament, they describe God's chen with the Greek word charis, which means gracious gift. Like when we are introduced to Jesus in the Gospel of John, we are told that Jesus is God's glorious charis become human sent into a world of people trapped in darkness and death. Because according to the apostle Paul, we're like the living dead. God has handed humanity over to the destructive consequences of our selfish decisions. But, Paul says, God is rich in mercy. And by his charis, he's rescued us. He's talking about how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are offered to us as a generous gift of life that is more powerful than death. And as with any gift, all one has to do is receive it. So, now you can see why the biblical authors talk so much about this description of God's character throughout the Bible. When people are willing to own their failures and ask God for ken, He has a consistent and generous response. God gives the gift of Himself, His life and His love. And This is what it means that God is gracious. So what's his favor?
0: It's him. When we we proud people come near and give him our hearts, he comes near. And he gives us the gift of himself. So the proud person who does not want God, God says, okay. And then when things fall apart, when things fracture, when things are destroyed, you are left on your own to figure it out. This is a really simple, it's not a simple process, but he, James gives us six things to do to move towards, to come near. You know, I was, one more football analogy really quick. I'm gonna invite up my young leaders here. Uh, remember the Titans, anyone? Yep, classic. Come on, hands up, remember the Titans. Okay, a lot of people, perfect. Okay, talk about a situation where there's fights and quarrels disagreements, slander. I mean, watch the movie. It's, it's full of it. So Coach Boone, Denzel Washington, comes to the bus for training camp, right? And he gives the, uh, the offensive playbook to uh, the defensive coordinators. And the coordinators kind of make fun of him. It's an awful small playbook, Coach. And he says this. He says, you're right. I run six plays, split veers. It's like Novocaine. Just give it time. It always works. He like forgiveness. It's like Novocaine, just give it time. It always works. I'm not a dentist. I, think this, I don't have to use that still or not. But it's really simple. He says first, we got six things on the slide. You submit, you surrender, you yield. You become part of this circle of love. I'll give you my whole heart. When you come into the circle of love, who are you with? God. Who can't be around God? The devil, he'll flee this is a process, you probably keep doing it, but you have come near, and then he comes near. So he says, so repent, wash your hands, purify your hearts. So in a minute here, we're gonna give you a chance. Washing your hands was just an external action that you could see and people could see of what had happened in your heart. So in a minute, we're gonna give you a chance to worship, to repent. As you turn, recognize you thought wrongly, the way you're living, you're going the wrong way, as you turn, It's going to require some forgiveness if you want to go down that path. So you can, in worship here, externally show what's happening here. But to help us, because this is hard, I'm going to have up some young leaders, and I gave them a difficult task this week. I said, would you practice this? Would you find a time when you were proud? When your pride led to a break in relationship and that you extended forgiveness? And would you talk to all of you about it. And they said yes. So this is Claire, Emerson, and Jessa.
2: Okay, so my story starts um, with like forgiveness with a friend. And so I had a friend when I was really little and we grew up together, we were in class together ever since we were like in first grade. And we slowly drifted apart middle school, high school, and she's in a different friend group, and so am I, and so I didn't think much about it. But ever since the beginning of sophomore year, she's been asking me if we can like hang out and go get coffee sometime. And every time she's asked me, I've said no. And most of the time, it's because I have to work or like clean my room or something. And and then I realized like she really wants to do this, and I just keep saying no, and so, I had to drive her to school this week because her car wasn't working, and I just said, hey, I'm really sorry that like, it's taken me this long to be like, oh, like we actually um, need to hang out. And so I just said, I'm really sorry that I keep saying no, and she was like, "Girl, it's okay. I honestly haven't had time either." And so then that led to a really good conversation of us being like, "Okay, like let's set a time in the summer. Let's like deepen our relationship so that we can just continue to get to know each other better and create a better relationship."
3: Um, I forget where I. for forgiveness from a friend and we had been really close um, up till about the beginning of this year and then we kind of drifted apart and kind of have our kind I don't know just have drifted apart and so I kind of just gave up on the relationship because I was like well if she doesn't think she needs me then that's fine but then I realized that it was me who was like separating the relationship so I asked for forgiveness and I was like I'm sorry that I thought that you had to have me to have friends and that I was the only friend you could have, and so that was a very humbling moment just to realize that like I'm a very prideful person and I need to be able to like let people have their own relationships and I'm not the only person that they can have as a friend. And that that, um, then led her to be like, you know what, I'm sorry too for not trying to strengthen our relationship. So it was both humbling and relieving to have that moment. So
2: last year, I, um, me and a friend got into kind of an argument and it ended kind of rocky. And so I was, we keep crossing paths. And so I was like, well, maybe I just need to Um, apologize for things that were said that hurt and so um, I was like hey look I'm really sorry for what I said last year Um, I hope that you forgive me and she did the same and so now we're not like back to normal but we are having like a better relationship and it's just nice to see that friendship grow back to what it was.
1: Invite
0: the band up. It's pretty brave, right? You feel like you should ask forgiveness this week? So back we started, I think it might come from the Sermon on the Mount, but peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of right relationships. So God removes himself when we oppose, when we're proud. If we humble ourselves and we come near to him, he comes near to us, and he repairs what is broken. So, as we move into worship, we're going to give you an opportunity as we sing and as you worship to, to confess together here, to repent, to turn, to name what has kept us from him. That's what evil wants. It wants to isolate, and move us away from God. And then, as we leave, we're going to practice, right?
2: I'll be here. I'll push him. All right, sorry.